Grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Before we hear the word for the, the part of the, the gospel for today, you heard it read by Pastor Beck. I'd like you to take a look up in the ceiling. Take a look up above you. If you'll notice, these churches are built like ships. You're in the nave of the ship, and you're rowing that boat very fast, and you're trying to get away from the storm. So you listen to these words as you think about being in that ship right now, because you are in that ship, the ship known as the church. Here the disciples are. They were afraid when they saw him, but Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage, I am here. Then he climbed into the boat, and the wind stopped. They were totally amazed, for they still didn't understand the significance of the miracle of the loaves. Their hearts were too hardened to take it in. After they had crossed the lake, they landed at Gennesaret. They brought the boat to shore and climbed out. The people recognized Jesus at once, and they ran throughout the whole area, carrying sick people on mats to wherever they heard he was. Wherever he went... In villages, cities, or the crowd's countryside, they brought the sick out to the marketplaces. They begged him to let the sick touch at least the fringe of his robe, and all who touched him were healed. So far the text. And we pray. Holy God of Israel, ever-present and moving among your people, draw us near to you, that in place of hostility there may be peace, in place of loneliness, compassion, in place of aimlessness, direction, and in place of sickness, healing, through Jesus Christ, in whom you draw near to us. Amen. You're in that ship. You're in some other place. And have you ever been afraid? Actually, I should ask the question, who's never been afraid? Raise your hand if you've never been afraid. Have you ever been worried? Have you ever been worried to the point of becoming sick about being worried? Take a moment, close your eyes, and picture you one of yourself in one of the darkest moments in your life. Take a moment to do that. And now I ask, what did you do with that darkest moment in your life? How did you deal with it? Where did you put it? Who did you give it over to? Well, I remember when I was young, I remember dark moments in my life. We had bomb shelters built in houses. How many remember bomb shelters built in houses? Anybody here remember those? And you thought, if I get in that bomb shelter, I'll be all right if there's some big war, some big battle. And those bomb shelters, what they become? Storage rooms and houses. We had, we went to the hallways in case there would be a tornado that would blow down the building. And we covered our heads. Remember those times, anybody? Or, and this is the most interesting one, we would go under our desks in case a nuclear bomb were to drop on our school. And fortunately, no nuclear bomb ever dropped on our schools. But that's what we hid. That's what we thought would save us. We had Nike missile bases all over the state of Indiana. And you know what those Nike missile bases have become today? Parks for people to enjoy. We donated to the March of Dimes because we were afraid of polio and smallpox and all other sorts of other diseases. 
And now for the good news. You know what? We outlive many of those illnesses. We outlive many of those situations. And for us Christians, it's be, one of the pluses that we have is that who do we hold on to? We hold on to Jesus Christ. I attended a grade school in northwest Indiana called Jonas E. Salk School. Who remembers who Jonas E. Salk is? They named the school after the hero of the polio vaccine. And that school is still there today. I'm sure most of the students have no idea why it's called Jonas E. Salk School, though. We're afraid of many things, aren't we? Even today, we're afraid of many things. But you know what? For us Christians, we have hope. In the middle of our ships, in the middle of our sinking, in the middle of our sailing around, we have hope in Jesus Christ. Each generation has something to be afraid of. But there is one combination, the dominator. We own our own fears. They belong to us. Fear can overwhelm and overpower us as it did the disciples. Or we can turn on to Jesus Christ as our Savior. And as we hear these words, we take them to heart. Don't be afraid. I am he. I am your God. We hear this constant claim throughout the Bible. Our hope, our faith is not in ourselves, but in Jesus Christ. Over the years, in the midst of my life storms, I have learned to turn things over to God. At times, I want to hold on to my past and my regrets, and I find it's so much harder to let go when I do that. I try to row out of my own storms of life and hold on to everything on my own. And when I do that, I forget that it's Jesus Christ who's walking beside me. That is why I, and hopefully also you, turn back to Jesus Christ, for he is our God. He is our hope. So what do you do when something troubles you? Think about it. What troubles you the most? How do you come to terms with your troubles? What do you do when something troubles you? What are some troubles that we find in the Bible? You find Jacob who tries to out-scheme everybody in his life, from his brother to his mother to his father to his father-in-law. And ultimately, he tries to wrestle with God, and he wins not because of his scheming, but because who's in control but God is. Or do we try to ignore the challenges and the problems in our lives and run the other way? Look at Jonah. Jonah, who was told, go to Nineveh and preach. And what did he do? He got in a boat and went the other way, and God caused a storm to come up. God likes storms, by the way. Have you ever noticed that? He uses storms all sorts of times in our lives. And Jonah couldn't escape because he got swallowed by that large fish. And where did he get spit up at? At Nineveh. And he had to preach. Are we like Moses, who was leading people for 40 years through a wilderness? And you know what he does? He grumbles. I probably would have grumbled too. I don't know about you. Or we like Job. Job, who's standing there, supposedly innocent, but all these things happen to him. And he finally has to realize that who's in control but God? What do we do with our troubles? Do we hold on to them? Do we let them consume us? Do we let them overcome us? Or what do we do with them? Think about it for a moment. Have you were worried or obsessed over the smallest thing? It was true of the disciples. They spent two years with Jesus. 
They spent three years with Jesus, and they thought that they could be in charge, and they had all sorts of troubles, all sorts of concerns, and they finally had to realize they had to turn them over to God. And they forgot God at times. And God had to continue to bring them back again and again. And so these storms do in their lives. Remember those disciples who were on the sea during another storm, and Peter tries to walk out to Jesus, and what does Peter do? He sinks. Because what does he hold on to? He doesn't hold on to faith. Remember the time when Jesus was sleeping on the boat and the disciples woke him because they were afraid of drowning? They didn't hold on to faith. Here in this stormy event we have before us, the disciples are rowing as hard as they can, trying to outrun the storm, and the storm is overwhelming them. They don't know where to turn to as they come across this ghostly figure. And they're amazed because who's walking beside them? But Jesus Christ. And he is about to pass them by, or so it seems. Can you, can we turn our troubles and our cares over to God? Like the disciples, do we sometimes forget what God has done for us lately? Look at the disciples. They're out in the middle of the sea. They forgot the miracle of God feeding so many with so little. The feeding of the 5,000. They were all worried about the storm overcoming and overwhelming them. And they were afraid. They hadn't figured out how to take all of their cares, all their concerns, put them in a box. And who do you give that box over to? You give it over to God. Do you do that sometimes? Take all your cares and concerns, and you take them in prayer to God, and you put them on that shelf, put them in that box, and you turn them over to him and let go of them? And then we come to the other. Can we forgive the other as God has forgiven each of us? When people have wronged us, can we let go of that wrong and that hurt and turn it over to God? When we have done something wrong, can we ask for forgiveness and let go of the pain? We've come back to the boat. We've come back to the disciples. We've come back to the fact that they've forgotten about the feeding of the 5,000. They're in time of transition, in a real time of transition, because they're afraid the boat's going to what? Sink. They'd gone out. Jesus had sent them. As he's gone off to pray, they've forgotten about that feeding. They've forgotten about that crowd. They've forgotten about the miracles that Jesus was able to, to do, the feeding of the 5,000. He became bread king to these people, but they didn't realize that he was the promised savior, the one who would bring the kingdom of God into this place. The memory of this miracle did not stick with Jesus' disciples. So the disciples went off on their own, in their own boat, under their own power, And they were headed to Gennesaret. And so was Jesus, but in a different way, in a different time. And he was about to pass them by. And they were rowing, and they were rowing, and they tried to escape the storm. And who did they need? They needed Jesus. Jesus went off to the mountains. He was praying with the Father, and he came back, and he was gone to walk on the sea. And the storm was about to overtake them. And as we remember, the disciples were all by themselves in the boat just this last time. They were rowing, they were rowing, and they were rowing. Other boats come to mind, like Pastor Red, about Noah's ark, how God delivered through that ark. We come back to this figure that looks like a ghost, and they see Jesus walking by them. Why wasn't Jesus stopping and coming into the boat? This picture is like the one we see with God when God calls Moses to serve him in the burning bush. 
Think about Mount Sinai, how God passed them by when they were giving them the Ten Commandments and he was showing his glory. Think about Elijah, when he was about to want just to die and all those things came by him and finally, who did God, how did God come to them? In a sing, small, single voice. And he spoke to them. And here is Jesus standing beside them, standing beside them. And why doesn't he enter the boat now? Why doesn't he come on their terms? Why doesn't he come and save them as they wanted to do? It was his time. It was his passing by. It was his message that needed to be heard. He came, and he came to save them. So what do you do when you're in trouble? Think about it for a moment. Remember back when you were a child? Remember back when you were a child, who did you take your problems to? Did you ever take them to your parents, your grandparents? We had a little sore, a little owie, on, and you say, Mom, Dad, help me. You had a little problem, you come to them, and as you grew up, who did you go to? Your friends and your family, when you got married, who did you go to? But your spouses? Or if you're single, you go to your friends and your family and close ones? What about it? We take them to other people. Are we willing to take our, whole, our cares, our concerns, our troubles, and turn them over to who? Turn them over to God. Turn them over to God. Are you the person who, again, comes back to wanting to dwell on your troubles, on dwelling on your concerns? Are you willing to give them to God? Are you willing to trust in him above all people and all things? As Jesus Christ came across the boat and walked by, they realized that God was among them. And how does God walk among by us now in our day and age and remind us that he is among us and he is here for us? And they're on that lake and they're finally realizing they're saved and they come upon land and they come to the place known as Gennesaret and the boat lands. And Jesus comes out of the boat and what does he do? He heads off. To heal people. To heal people. Jesus comes out of the boat, and so people are brought to him sick, infirm, disabled, and they are healed. And the disciples were reminded, who is this Jesus Christ? He is the Son of God. The kingdom of God is where? The kingdom of God is among them. People come to Jesus to heal their hurts and to trust in God. Isn't that where we're gathered here in worship today? to have our hurts, to have our concerns, to have our cares, and turn them over to who? Turn them over to God. We remember our baptisms because through baptism we've been claimed as children of God. We remember that we will soon take part in the Lord's Supper, the very body and blood of Jesus Christ, in, with, and under the bread and the wine, as we are forgiven of our sins, as we know that we have been claimed and we are healed by that medicine of the bread and the wine, the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Hear about it in Ephesians chapter 4, 3. Christ is the one who dwells in our hearts and in our minds. This Christ is the one who surpasses all our wisdom and our knowledge. That's what we're here for today, isn't it? To celebrate. To celebrate the God, Jesus Christ, who walks beside us as we come here and we go. We celebrate in the light of the cross. We celebrate as we are fed in the word. We celebrate in this God who loves us so much that he lays down his life for us. We celebrate that God has called us by name and we belong to him. And we come across our deepest hurts. We come across our deepest pains. And when we feel alone, we can come back to the cross. We can come back to Jesus Christ. 
And when the storm of life surrounds us, it is God who is there for us. He is the great I am. He is the God who loves, gives his, us life. He is the God who saves us. Amen.